Love that work. Love these hearts. The mystery of the day. What is the heart of the matter? Looking forward to this message, Kelly. Two things. One, I love welcoming people back, so I do want to welcome Freyu and Tina. Are you guys here? Is Tina here too? Oh, I lie. Give them a hand. Welcome here. And they have two little boys. They have two little boys, Lati and Lali. I think we probably just woke one of them up. <laughs> Welcome here. Thank you. And uh, Freyu did want me to say a very, very big thank you. So I want to say thank you for all that you've been doing for this family as they've come here. But he also wants to, even more than I, say thank you for all that you've done in making him feel welcome last semester and now as you welcome him here for this uh, semester and as they dive back into classes. So welcome back and thank you all very much. Number two, as Kendi was up here talking about this Global Social Justice Conference, I'm thinking maybe you guys can help us. Can may maybe you know more about marketing than we do. I have little doubt about that, actually. We need our numbers up for Friday night and Saturday. So I'm wondering if maybe you could invite some people and say, I'll meet you there. You get in free. That's because we've got a couple of donors who have covered all the costs for you. And, and so we're just really happy to offer that to you. They think it's important, a, sub a subject, and organizations are coming that are you know, really part of what they want to get done in the world with World Vision, IJM, and um, Samaritan's Purse, and you know, a couple other, Food for the Hungry. What's the other one? Oh, DFN, Dalit Freedom Network, yep. So the undercast and outcasts of India. Like, these are important um, things that are going on, and uh, these donors have, have looked in. Now, if you would help us by even sending an invitation saying, I can't go, but if you could, you know, it looks interesting, maybe to your church groups, maybe something like that. I don't know, maybe you can help us get our numbers up. We do need to have headcount for Saturday. So your free tickets are through the front desk. That's staff, faculty, and students. Everybody's in invited. Um, spouses as well, as part of our group, welcome there uh, for free. Um, but we do need to figure out how to headcount for food on Saturday, on lunch on Saturday. So um, we need to kind of get those numbers in, and we'd love to have you help us. Kelly, come on up. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this good man. We thank you for this great topic. We pray that you would bless us today with that greatest gift of all, your Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Show us your heart, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Thanks, Mark. Well, this morning uh, I was talking to Mark Jonah and he said, hey, do you want this uh, podium uh, raised a little bit? And I said, no, it's just fine for me. He goes, oh, it's so short. And I said, I know, but I'm short, so it makes me look taller. So that's why I like it like this. Uh, there's an old saying that goes, looks can be deceiving. And what you see on the outside does not always match what is going on in the inside. I wanted to introduce you to uh, Cindy Jackson. She should be up there. Uh, Cindy is 55 years old, and no one on the planet has had more reconstructive surgery than Cindy. Now, she looks pretty good for 55, but 52 plastic surgeries. Can you imagine? on her face. And there's an interview you can look at if you want to see that. You can come and uh, talk to me about it, and I'll give you the link. Now, I could probably go for a few plastic surgeries myself, a few uh, 
crow's feet around my, you know, eyes, maybe some Botox and probably some liposuction here and there. <laughs> What's, yeah, and other things. A hair transplant, yeah. But um, uh, research tells us that um, actually people are becoming more narcissistic in our day and age. In the book, The Narcissism Epidemic, Living in the Age of Enlightenment, uh, Gene Twenge and Keith Campbell, both professors, analyzed data from 15,000 college students who responded to the narcissistic personality inventory. I did not even know there was such a thing. And uh, they found that there's a relationship between birth year uh, of the people filling out the scale and the value of narcissism. So uh, those with narcissistic scores that were higher were actually born later in life. So if you were born prior to 1980, it's a little lower than 1990. How many people born in 1990? Anyone here? Okay, 2000. Yeah, your scores are really high, like just about off the chart. It's interesting, uh, she goes on to say, uh, there's a correlation between narcissism and Facebook. How many people have Facebook? Okay, just about everybody here. Uh, she says, uh, there's a high score as it relates to Facebook. What this means is that the average person you're connected to on Facebook is probably a little bit more narcissistic than the average person you're connected to in real life because narcissists, narcissists are skilled at online connections. So uh, I don't know how many of you have Snapchat. A few people here, Instagram, a few things, Facebook Live. So the more you use that, maybe the more narcissistic you are. This is what studies tell us. We're going to see in our story today that appearance is not the most important thing to God. God says when choosing a new leader, the heart is more important. So we might say the big idea this morning is that appearance is something, but the heart is a God thing. Can you say that with me? Appearance is something, but the heart is a God thing. Now, each of you, uh, when you came in, you received a heart, and I want you just to hold on to those because we're going to do something with those a little bit later. 1 Samuel, uh, just to give you a little bit of background on the story, 1 Samuel chapter 8, Israel is asking for a king. And so uh, Samuel uh, comes uh, to the Lord, and uh, the people said, give us a king to lead us. This displeased Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord told him this. Listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not that they have rejected you, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done in the day I brought them out of Egypt until the day forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. And uh, this is kind of the, the heart condition of the people of Israel is that God was leading them, providing for them, caring for them, loving them. But they said, something in our heart isn't right. We, God, we want you to have kind of only this much of our heart. And so God gives in to their demands, and he raises up a person by the name of Saul, who the book of Samuel says he was so impressive he was like a head taller. Can you just come up for a second? Because you're probably a head taller than me. He's probably like two heads taller than me. So, you know, this is a good-looking guy. 
uh, this is kind of what they chose. This is like Saul. This is what they chose for the king to lead. Thanks. Let's give him a hand. Now, Saul was kind of like this GQ model. He was a head taller. The Cavaliers would have loved to have him on their starting lineup. And uh, the question is, I, most of us would want this kind of person to lead us, right? Tall, impressive, good-looking. If you look across the politicians in the U.S., you'll see that. Even our own prime minister is a pretty good-looking guy, right? Now, what's interesting is that Saul was also from the tribe of Benjamin, which is the smallest tribe in Israel, and his family clan was the least of the Benjamites. In fact, Saul himself said to Samuel, but am I not a Benjamite from the smallest tribe of Israel, and is not my clan the least of the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why do you say you want me to be king? Wow. So why would God choose the least of these to rule the greatest? I don't know if you've ever wrestled with that. God, why did you pick me to lead this or lead that? I'm not the tallest or the smartest or the brightest, but God, you chose me. And for many of you here today, God has chosen you uh, for something great. And maybe you don't know it yet. And I believe that deep down, Saul began his leadership with a good heart. And so Samuel anoints Saul with oil and says, has the Lord anointed you leader over this inheritance? And it's interesting because God's spirit comes upon Saul for at least a little bit of time and gives him power and prophecy and the ability to lead well. But something at some point turns sour in Saul's heart. And Samuel tried to warn him about this. But as all stories, stories sometimes before, this sinister plot came to bear in Saul's heart, and Saul's heart became corrupted. Appearance and pride and reputation and accomplishments took over from Saul, and he began to be disobedient to the Lord. It's kind of like that illustration of the iceberg. You know, an iceberg, you can see a lot of it, or a little bit of it at the top, but underneath, there's this huge mass. It's kind of like our lives, I think, a little bit, that you can see a little bit of us on the outside, appearance and smiles and good looks. You're all good looking, by the way. But, but deep down, deep down, uh, what you can't see is maybe the things that corrupt us. Jesus told us this, out of the heart comes evil. The writer of Proverbs tells us to guard our hearts, for it is from it from, uh, is the wellspring of life. And Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your what will be? Your heart will be also. Where your treasure is today, there your heart will be also. So God removed Saul from kingship through the prophet Samuel. And now we come to our story, 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'll just read this for you so that you have a sense of where we're going. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what you are to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said when he arrived at Bethlehem. The elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. 
consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So this man, it was said, was a better man than Saul. But Samuel had no idea, no idea who it was until God spoke to him and said, go to Bethlehem and anoint one of Jesse's sons. So Samuel's caught in this crisis. Either Saul's going to catch me on the roadway, he's going to find out about it and kill me. So he was a little afraid. And he goes to Bethlehem to find this Jesse, a little bit easier in those days. I think if you said, hey, go to Three Hills and find Jesse, it might be a little harder. But he said, go to Bethlehem and find this Jesse. So Samuel is obedient. He grabs his oil, travels to Bethlehem. I'm sure Samuel was looking around to see if Saul was on the roadway ready to get him. But he ends up in Bethlehem, and the story might have looked a little bit like this. careful because Saul's uh, chasing me. He doesn't really like what's happening here, but God told me, the Lord told me that one of your sons is going to be anointed the new king of Israel. So I hope that's okay with you. Um, <laughs> is this all your sons here? This is all but one. I noticed they all have short hair and no beards. <laughs> one beard. <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, um, well, this is your eldest here? Yeah, let me introduce him. Uh, first up is this prime specimen right here, my boy Eliab. He's six foot four, 180 pounds, the best pilot, and the hottest guy on campus. <laughs> I have heard that he's taken. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the next guy. This is my second son, Aminadad. <laughs> he's also six foot four, but he's 200 pounds, 20 pounds more buff than his brother, and the best ball player on campus. And I've heard that he is recently married. Engaged. <laughs> Oh, man, we're down to number three. But check out on the dimples on Shema. <laughs> He's six feet tall, 175 pounds, a nurse in training, and more modest than the rest of the boys about his good looks. <laughs> he is a fine-looking specimen. <laughs> Do you want to just narrate that next part, Kelly? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> the Lord has not chosen these. And so Samuel asked, is there the youngest? So none of these gaffers are going to work. <laughs> They're all wonderful people. I know we have a, a drummer. We have a, all kinds of educated guys. And they're all good looking. But no, you have another son, you said. 
Yes, we have the youngest. He's out in the field with the sheep right now. The, yes, he's the runt of the litter. <laughs> Just let me call him in for you. Hey, David, come back here. <laughs> come on over. <laughs> <laughs> the reason they know me throughout the centuries. <laughs> I will ask the Lord to see if you have a heart after God. This is the king. This is the one that we need to anoint as king of Israel. Let's get ready to anoint. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks, guys. So by every outward appearance, uh, Samuel uh, went through Jesse's sons and couldn't figure out who it was until God told him that it was this man who is significant. A little over a month ago, I was traveling to Calgary, and I was taking my wife to the airport. <clears throat> it was blowing snow, crazy to see out. And so I turned onto airport trail, and I knew I had to get over into the right lane about eight blocks from then. And so from all outwards appearance, it looked, it was, it looked like it was fine, and I started to veer over, and I heard a horn. So I pull back in my lane, and I look beside me, and here was a nice little shiny sports car, started with M and rhymes with Pallades that I just about took out. And I realized that I had a blind spot. I had a blind spot. And uh, for Samuel, Samuel had a blind spot because he thought the next king would look exactly like King Saul. And what he didn't realize was that God was choosing someone of low esteem, of a humble heart. I realize that um, our text today doesn't really tell us too much about David's heart, and so I need to go outside of our text today um, to, to tell you what David's heart was really like. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78, 70 to 72 says this, he chose David his servant and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be shepherd of his people Jacob, of Israel his inheritance. And David shepherded them, now listen to this, with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, he led them. God spoke to Solomon, David's son, in 1 Kings Chapter 9, verse 4, and I want you to listen to uh, these words because they're just about identical. As for you, if you walk before me in integrity of heart and uprightness, 
As David your father did, and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne over Israel forever. Now, I checked with Dr. Imes yesterday to make sure that uh, I wasn't leading you astray in my limited to non-existent Hebrew. Uh, but this word is used in both passages and is the word tom. So the question is, why would God say that David is a man after God's own heart? Well, David was a man with tom. What is tom? It is being morally upright, a person who says what they do. It is a state of being whole and undivided. It is a condition of being unified, unimpaired, having integrity. And that's why I believe that David was chosen as king. Appearance is something, but the heart is a God thing. And the life of David points us to Christ because there is no one who had more tome, more moral uprightness, no one who had more holiness, no one who had more love for God. The one who loved God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength, this one who is faithful to the point of death, who is the shepherd of Israel, was Jesus. The good news today is that Jesus saves us so that we can have a whole heart, so their lives can be morally upright, undivided, loyal, faithful, and people of integrity. So what, what this story teaches us about the heart of God is that God does not see things the way we see them. God is not interested in our appearances. Oh, we might be. But God desires to look at your heart. Love the Lord your God with all your heart is one of the greatest commandments. And all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. So a couple of things we learned from this story is that God chose David according to his character. And God chooses David even though he was unaware. As he shepherded his sheep in the hill country of Bethlehem. And so God chooses you today because he desires that you have a heart like Christ. As you live for Jesus, as you love people, as you stand morally upright, as you are people of integrity, and that God is working in your life behind the scenes, choosing you even though you can't see him. Even though you can't see him. And so God has great things for you today. So I want to ask you, how is your heart today? And I'm going to ask uh, some friends of mine to pass out some pens in each row. And what I'd like you to do is this. As the pens come around, is I'd like you just to write one word on your heart. And maybe it is uh, a word of confession today. Jesus, something's not right in my heart, and this is what it is. Maybe it is uh, a prayer of supplication today. Maybe it's God. I want you to do this in my heart today. Maybe it's simply just reconfirming your love for God and giving Him your whole heart. Whatever it is, I'd just like you to write one word on there. And the worship team is going to come and lead us in some songs. But I'd just like the rest of the chapel to be a reflection time for you to get your heart right with God because that's the heart of the matter.
So I'd encourage you today to uh, take your hearts uh, back to your rooms or in your offices, wherever, and put it up just as a reminder of today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your uh, faithfulness to us. Thank you for choosing David. It led to our Savior, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Jesus, for your heart, for your Father, but also your heart for us. We pray that you would help us to be people of tome as we walk in our day, to be people of uprightness and character and integrity. And uh, we thank you, God, that you are for us, that you're working behind the scenes in our life, calling us to great things. So we pray that our hearts would be dedicated to you in Christ's name. Amen. You're dismissed.